Welcome to Founder Views. My name is Costa. I'm your host and co-founder of Web for Realty, a SaaS company that I bootstrapped out of my parents' basement with no money and no tech experience into a fully remote company doing seven figures in ARR. I'm taking you through my SaaS journey in real time as I talk about business situations I'm going through, thinking about, or just find interesting. My purpose is not to give you the answers, but to spark something in your mind that can help improve your business along the way. So if you're in SaaS and you accept recurring revenue, probably the most important tool you need is a revenue management platform. It wasn't until we implemented Chargeify where we became a real SaaS company. Chargeify helps manage all of our subscribers. We're able to create different product categories, create add-on components, and charge clients for one-time services. They also provide deep revenue and churn metrics so you know exactly where your business stands at any point in time. One of my favorite features is the ability to customize your dunning strategy sequence so you can recover as much revenue as possible. That alone will pay for the software and then some. Uh, Chargeify is so incredibly featureful. It can integrate with any payment processor with only a few clicks. Uh, I'm a numbers and finance guy and I can't imagine running a SaaS company without Chargeify. Uh, From a revenue collection and finance point of view, Chargeify literally does it all. If you want to step up your business and become a real SaaS company, look no further than Chargeify. Now, I'm able to provide an exclusive promo only to my listeners. I'm getting you the first month of Chargeify completely free, plus free premium onboarding. Uh, The thing is, this deal is only good if you sign up before the end of the year. You have to sign up before the end of 2019, and they have to know that I sent you. So go to Chargeify.com and sign up. That's Chargeify.com and make sure you tell them you went. You want the founder views promo. You have to let them know in order to be eligible. Go to Chargeify.com to get started. You won't regret it. I'm really excited to share this episode. I'm speaking with Ksenia Montan, the CEO and co-founder of Planable.io. Uh, Planable helps brands and agencies manage their social media content. She's been running Planable for about three years now and has seen incredible growth in such a short time. Uh, they made their mark at the famous Techstars Accelerator in London. They recently closed a seed round to help ramp up their growth, which we talk about in this episode. Uh, Ksenia was recently named in uh, Forbes uh, Europe 30 under 30 list for 2019, which is incredible. Uh, we're also getting into a lot of other topics, including uh, how they got their first handful of customers with some specific strategies they used. Uh, Ksenia is opening up some of her marketing playbooks and sharing what they're doing currently to drive new business. Uh, she's also sharing the customer account that Planable currently crossed, which is huge. Uh, this conversation is jam-packed. We really dived in pretty deep in this one. I had such an amazing time chatting with Ksenia. This is one you're definitely going to enjoy. So here it is. All right, Ksenia, thank you so much for joining me on the Founder Views podcast. Really excited for you to be here. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much for inviting Amazing. So, so you uh, you run Planable. Um, tell us uh, just to kick things off. Just tell us, tell our audience a, a bit about yourself, uh, your background, and sort of where you're at with Planable today and what you guys do. Sure. Um, so, my background is in marketing. I was nerding on advertising since you know I was a teenager. I was reading everything about ad world and and marketing, and I was very you know passionate to 
uh, you know, I was dreaming about working in, in this industry at some point in my life. And I started uh, a social media agency when I was uh, still in the university during my second year of university. I kicked it off and, you know, it grew a little and we were about six to seven people, you know, doing all kinds of social media, marketing, content projects. Um, and one of the things that really frustrated me in my in my agency life is actually the problem that we're solving today at Planable. Um, you know, the way we are working as an industry, the way marketers work today is a bit uh, obsolete at the moment. Um, when I when I was building my agency, you know, as, when I was working with clients, I felt like this. Uh, entire mishmash of tools like you know Microsoft Excel and uh, PowerPoints, and then you know sending the the work and the content to clients um, on on email was was very challenging and very frustrating. We were planning content for brands for their social media channels for the next week or for the next month, and in order to you know plan those editorial calendars, we were building that in in like an Excel. Um, and we were sending that content on email and we were trying to gather, you know, centralized feedback from the client. Um, it was, it was very chaotic. Uh, it was a very fragmented way of working. Um, and, you know, as a millennial, I expected better, <laughs> more, you know, more kind of better UI, better experiences and user from the tools I, I was using at the time. And that's kind of how Planable started my uh, one of my co-founders, uh, Nick, uh, he was working also in, in an agency at the time. So uh, we kind of shared the same problem and we wanted to build Planable to do just that, to, to help marketing teams um, collaborate in a seamless way on, on content for social media. And that's, that's what Planable does today. Okay, that's that's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, so, how long ago was that when you sort of left the agency and started Planable? Maybe three, yeah, so four I, years I, now. Yeah, I closed my agency three years ago, and that's when you know I dedicated myself fully to to Planable. So, first year and a half, I would say we focused on you know developing the product, customer development, figuring out what's you know what's a startup and how to build it because we never had another startup before you know agencies agency life is very different from startup life and uh, so we were trying to figure out how to how to build this how to grow this you know we were actually designing and you know developing the product testing it in in, in beta with customers and then after a year and a half i would say you know we, we put it on market and we started monetizing it that's amazing. So only, I guess, three years now. Uh, it seems like you guys have had tremendous growth, um, you know, both as a company, even personally. Like I see you, you're, you made the 2019 uh, Europe Forbes 30 under 30. Is that, is that correct? <laughs> yeah, yes. That, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's pretty cool. Um, appreciate it. So j- just to, to dive into a bit more about what Planable does specifically. So just to create a bit more context and yeah. understanding for the audience. So like, uh, you know, for example, a lot of, a lot of people are familiar with uh, Buffer. Which I'm sure right. you know. Like, like, how is Planable different from, say, a Buffer, for example? That's a great question. Yes. So Buffer helps you uh, as an individual most of the times. That's kind of what it was built with for in the beginning. Buffer helps you schedule um, your social media posts. So you know what you have to post. You're, you know, creating, drafting it in, 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 uh, in Buffer. And then it automates the publishing. It takes care of all of the publishing 
on your behalf. So you doesn't have you don't have to remember anymore. You know at what times you have to post and all of that. It, it also has you know uh, other products such as you know analytics and and listening and customer service for social. So it's great if you're an individual and you kind of need to manage your social in a neaty way. Uh, what Planable does and what sets us apart from Buffer is that it's designed for teams, first of all. So it's, its entire focus is on collaboration, not necessarily on the publishing. Publishing and scheduling comes as a consequence to the fact that you with your team are aligned, everyone knows what's happening, Everyone knows what content is going to be published in the next week or in the next month. Um, you know, you can have visibility on how your content is going to look like in the end. So you can actually see exactly how your posts are going to look like on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Um, you know, Pixel Perfect to the final version. So it, it kind of helps you mock up your content so that everyone can see, you know, how the content is going to look like and there's no misunderstandings around that. So I think the core focus is the fact that we are a creative content collaboration tool and Buffer is more like a social media management tool. Okay, that, that makes total sense. Um, so, so who are your ideal customers then? Is it like an agency or like big corporations? Like what does your customer profile look like typically? Yeah, agencies, agencies um, are one of our ideal customer profiles. Um, agencies that, you know, do a lot of social for clients and then, uh, internal social media teams. So, you know, if a company, not necessarily corporations, but, you know, if a company has more than three, four people, um, doing social, um, or three, uh, more than three, four, uh, people involved in social content creation or overseeing social content creation, Fanable can help. Gotcha. Perfect. Okay. Makes sense. Um, one thing you said uh, before, like startup life is obviously very different than agency <laughs> right. life. Um, so, you know, I've been speaking recently to a lot of early stage entrepreneurs and SaaS founders, and, and those are a lot of the people listening to this podcast as well. So, you know, being a company like Planable that helps other companies and agencies improve a form of their marketing, uh, how did you initially gain that traction early on to get your first, I don't know, 50, 100 customers? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think we did everything. We tested so, so many things and it was not working in the beginning. Um, so we had about, you know, 400 users beta testing the product uh, for a very long time. And we wouldn't say they were extremely, you know, active. And when we introduced our pricing plans, that was, you know, the moment of truth, <laughs> I could say. Um, and we had, like, what I remember is our first client, uh, she paid uh, for an annual price. Uh, she paid for an annual uh, package. And that was, that was totally excited. Totally exciting for us because it was our first client and they were willing to pay, you know, annually. Um, and then, you know, it was very, very hard to get our first 50 customers. It, it was just not growing. You know, in the beginning, we were doing like $200, $300 in monthly recurring revenue. It was very low and it was very heartbreaking, you know, after building a product for a year and a, and a half. And we were at this, you know, 
kind of a, a bit of a desperate moment. Um, something we, that we did and helped us a lot was um, we did a deal on Absolo uh, very early in the beginning. Um, so we gave, you know, if, you know, if anyone's not familiar with AppSumo, you know, you do deals on AppSumo where uh, you give a limited version of your product uh, for a one-time fee. So uh, users can pay like $39, $49 and they get a lifetime subscription on a limited version of, of your product. Um, and, you know, AppSumo has like a, a huge database of users. So we did that um, and it helped us, you know, grow initially. It gave us some traction. Um, and it was not just a cash injection. Um, those users, you know, talked about the product. They, you know, talked about it on social media, on their blogs, in forums, um, on Facebook groups. And it started to organically grow from that, you know, some kind of word of mouth um, happened. And, um, you know, we started growing our uh, recurring revenue side, you know, not just that cash injection, um, but, you know, people started to recommend us and we got, you know, more and more clients just from that word of mouth. And what we're doing today is uh, kind of on the same, you know, in the same world of, you know, creating content and building a reputation and, you know, our users recommending us to um, new users. <laughs> Okay, that, that that's amazing. Um, a couple of things I, I want to unpack there that you just yeah. said. Um, first, you, you mentioned when you first started out, you're only doing a couple hundred in, in recurring revenue. Um, right. you, you tested a lot of things. Like, What were some of those things that you tested that didn't work? Yeah. If you can share um, one or two of those. Yes, so product hunt. <laughs> I wouldn't say that it it, it works for us that much. We're still doing it today. So if you're launching, you know, new versions of Product Hunt, um, it's a good way of getting exposure. But I wouldn't say that's, you know, where our ideal customer base is. So we tried Product Hunt. We got, you know, like uh, six, seven clients from Product Hunt the day we initially launched. So that was not bad at all. Um, but I wouldn't say that that, you know, worked very well. Also, in, initially... When we started, you know, writing the blog, the articles felt like it was not working. We're just, you know, writing blogs and growing your SEO is just such a long-term game. Uh, so I think our expectations were off a bit. Um, and, you know, we, we also did, um, like we launched on uh, all kinds of uh, beta list pages, if you know about those. There are a few of those. It was great to get, you know, our first users, that was helpful. Um, but I, I, I think in the beginning, we, we just, you know, we, we tried as many ideas as, as we had, you know, we tried um, reaching out to people directly. So we did uh, cold outreach and that didn't work. It almost didn't have any results for us. Um, you know, we'll probably try it again at some other point, uh, but cold outreach seemed like it doesn't work in our industry or, or something. Um, or maybe our emails were not, you know, optimized enough. Uh, maybe our audience was not the right one we were targeting through cold outreach. Um, but that's one thing I can remember for sure that it was like, okay, we shouldn't repeat this experiment 
anytime soon. <laughs> no, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, it, it, it's always good to to try at least, right? And not take yeah. anyone's word or assumptions for it. But right. so you, you, I guess, so the most success at that time was AppSumo. And uh, yeah. you're definitely not the first uh, founder I've spoken to who um, who suggested AppSumo as like that initial traction they got. Um, so w- was that worth it financially? Like w- what's AppSumo's cut? If you can it's get it. It's a big cut. It's, it's 70%. They take oh, 70%. Wow. <laughs> Jeez, okay. um, yeah, it's insane. Uh, but, you know, we were in a bad moment. Um, we, you know, for, for four to five months, we were just not growing our uh, MRR at, at all, almost. So, we were willing to try anything, like anything. So we didn't know that much about AppSumo when we when we tried it. You know, we read all kinds of articles about people making, you know, 200K from AppSumo. What they didn't mention in those articles were <laughs> that, yes, they made 200K, but, um, you know, uh, actually they made just 60 or, yeah, um, because AppSumo takes 70%. Um, we didn't know that much, but we were willing to give it a try and I'm happy that we did. You know, I don't regret those 70% and I don't regret, you know, giving away the, the product almost, you know, for free in the beginning uh, because, you know, it helped us a lot. It gave us a big lift and that might have changed everything for us. Oh, for sure. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I can see a lot of people sort of shying away like, oh, 70%. But when you're early on, like that's how I grew my company as well. Like early on, like we were just giving it away for free to anyone yeah, yeah, uh, who yeah, would yeah, even listen. So yeah, yeah, that's true. So and people also shy away from it because it's like it's going to dilute your brand. But <laughs> I don't know, you know, you don't necessarily have a brand at that point if you're very exactly. Early. Yeah, there's really not that much you can lose. So you can yeah. try. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Another question on AppSumo. So like you mentioned product hunt didn't work for you guys at that time. Like what made uh, the launch on AppSumo successful, you think? Uh, I think AppSumo is just has this buying power. Um, whilst Product Hunt is not necessarily for that, you know, Product Hunt is for awareness. People go there to discover products, not necessarily to buy them. Whilst AppSumo people go there with, you know, looking, they're shopping. <laughs> and on Product Hunt, they're not. You know, they might discover it. They might, you know, um, remember it at some point. If they're going to need it, they might use it. But uh, they're not going there with an intent to buy. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. And uh, so so where are you guys at today? Are you able to share, uh, like, how many customers you guys have, revenue, MRR, any of that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So we actually uh, hit a very uh, round, beautiful number today. Uh, we just we just made 500 customers. Um, nice. So that's an exciting. Amazing! Number. Congratulations! That's, that's huge. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> do, do do you share uh, revenue numbers like MRR or anything like that? Um, so we're not doing that. We 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 were doing that in the beginning, um, but now we only share customer numbers. All right. Fair enough. Um, what about like uh, employee count? Like how many team members yeah. do you guys have? 10 at the moment yeah nice nice and are you you guys aren't remote are you 
Um, no, so not, not kind of. It's uh, two offices, uh, one for like product and tech and another one for like business marketing and, you know, sales. Um, so it's okay. two different offices, but we're not doing remote, no. Okay. And uh, just offline, we spoke, you're, 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 make, or you're starting an office now in Moldova? Yeah, so we're um, moving to a new office in Moldova. So we already have the team here, but we were working in a co-working space here. Um, so now we're looking for like our own home, planable home in, in, in Moldova. So that's nice. an exciting step. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I don't think I've ever met uh, another uh, like SaaS founder from Moldova. Yeah, yes. we're like <laughs> 3 million people in Moldova. So <laughs> that wow. would be tough. <laughs> That's awesome. So is, is, uh, are all 10 employees from Moldova or are they elsewhere? No. So, uh, we have, at the moment we have four people in, in Moldova and, um, seven in Bucharest in Romania. Um, so it's, it's kind of split, but all, all the founders, myself included, we're from Moldova. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thanks for, for painting that picture. Um, I want to stick with marketing a little bit. Like, you know, the goal of this podcast, like I just want to provide as much actionable tips and advice to my audience as possible. So fast forward a bit from those early days of AppSumo and just gaining some traction to today. Like you just hit 500 customers, which is huge. Uh, like what have been some of the successful growth channels that have worked best for you guys to you know, to get to 50, 100, 200, and now 500? Yeah, definitely. So here's the problem with this question, um, is that it, attribution in marketing is very hard to be able to say this is the channel that's working perfectly is such a hard, you know, it's such a hard answer to, to get to um, because, you know, you need a very, very robust analytics system you know and figuring out what actually works is the hardest thing and one of the hardest things in marketing today i think most of the marketers would would agree with me on this one um because you know google analytics just doesn't cut it uh you need something a bit more sophisticated to understand where your customers come from and you know today a customer journey is just so different you know they're not just you know following the same path as everyone, the paths are complicated. You know, they might hear from you from one place, then they, they might try the product and then disappear for a few months and then get back to some other channel. And then how do you correctly attribute <laughs> what's working and what's not? So that's hard. But um, having said that, um, I think some of the things that we've done and we you know our gut is telling us that it, it's working is is content and that's because that's mainly what we've been doing so <laughs> um i assume that if that's what we've been mainly doing it, and you know our number of customers is constantly growing and growing then we're probably doing it you know that one thing that we're doing the most is probably the one um that's bringing us all, all those customers so content marketing is at the core of what we do at Planable in terms of growth and marketing. Um, we are doing a lot in terms of, you know, growing our own blog with, you know, meaningful and valuable um, information. Uh, also, we're working hard on, on our SEO, both from a technical perspective, but also from, you know, again, 
building that valuable uh, content. Um, and then it's a lot about producing what we, what we call you know, special projects, uh, special content projects. Um, like for example, you know, my co-founder launched a book on the future of marketing teams uh, a few months ago. And then we launched an industry report on how uh, marketing teams are collaborating, how they're working, what their teamwork looks like today. And then just recently I launched um, my own ebook on the manifesto on content marketing teams, describing you know, what were some of the principles that content marketing teams should follow in order to be successful as a team, uh, in order to be productive as a team. Um, so those type of you know, initial uh, in, initiatives, content initiatives are what is you know, making our marketing successful, I think. I believe that's, that's it. Uh, we're also planning on launching a, an academy, a video series, uh, eight videos with industry experts uh, on you know, how to build your process, how to build content, what are the steps, what your workflow should look like, how should you, you know, work with your team? Who should you have in your team? And, and all those, you know, useful stuff about what happens behind the scenes of, of producing content. Um, and, you know, those are the things that, you know, once help our audience learn all kinds of useful things and help them, you know, be better as professionals. It also positions us in a, in a certain way. It, it enforces, you know, our positioning of we are the content collaboration tool for, for marketers. Um, so I think that's what we've been doing for quite a lot of time and uh, we, we think it works. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. A um, couple of questions I have there. So like yeah. currently, like, you know, obviously you're doing a lot of content, driving a lot of uh, traffic to your website and getting signups. Do, do you have a sales team or are the sales generally just turnkey and people onboarding themselves? Yeah, so it's kind of, at the moment, it's mostly self-service. Um, so, you know, people come to our website through some of our marketing campaigns. Uh, so it's mostly, you know, inbound. Um, they come, you know, they uh, test the product for 14 days, and then if they like, they upgrade, or they might, you know, chat with some of us on the team if they have any questions or if they want to demo. Um, but it's pretty straightforward. We are only now starting to build our sales team. We just hired our first salesperson like this week. <laughs> um, so things are just only now ramping up on the kind of enterprise side, I would say. But most of our customers at the moment are self-service. Nice. That's awesome. That's cool. And uh, it, like it, with content specifically, like how much content are you, are you putting out every week, let's say? Like how many articles? Uh Articles. So I think we're publishing one article a week, and then we have our newsletter uh, every every two weeks. Um, we are only now investing in ads. So we've had, you know, ads and all kinds of, you know, sponsored um, sponsored content, uh, but it was like, you know, less than one thousand a month in in terms of budget. So we, we really didn't invest seriously in that. Um, we recently hired um, a digital marketer with a focus on paid. So we're going to start, you know, investing more and more in ads as well. 
Um, so yeah, those are kind of the things, you know, on, on top of mind, but sales is, has only now become a priority for us. Nice. Okay, perfect. Do you write a lot of the content yourself or do you have uh, team members or who do that? No, I don't write any content really. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, just the book. Um, yeah. But in terms of blogs and like recurring content, uh, we have our team. Um, I only get involved in like high, high level pieces of content where I mostly, you know, give feedback and, you know, help with ideas. Um, but like the recurring content we have better people better content writers than myself <laughs> yeah it makes sense it, it's funny uh, like my company as well we're just starting to get into uh, paid ads as well yeah. um and I, I i had another like very successful SaaS um founder on my podcast uh, maybe a few episodes ago and he said something very interesting he said that uh facebook ads uh and he was very had a lot of conviction conviction around this he said facebook ads no longer work for b2b SaaS companies yeah um what's your take on that from your experience so far i know you just started out but yeah yeah so i've heard that a lot um we don't have data to say that you know from our own we don't have enough enough data to say that from you know our own experience um but i've heard that quite quite a lot and it might make sense so if our data you know in a few months is going to tell us that facebook ads are not working i i'm not sure i'm gonna be that surprised um because it it, it kind of make makes sense what he said you know people are not you know professionals are not spending their time on facebook or uh, you know or instagram to you know buy sauce products that's not that's you know unlikely to happen though in our case I could say we might be an exception, or at least I'm hoping, <laughs> because our audience, marketers, they do spend a lot of time on, on Facebook, like professionally, with a professional goal, um, you know, to either, you know, be in all kinds of Facebook marketing groups to learn or to just follow what their competitors are doing or just to, you know, be in touch with the industry. Um, so in our case, it might work, you know, fingers crossed. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to be that surprised. Yeah. Hey, you know what? It's one of those things where um, that's a very like blanketed statement to say that just yeah. Facebook ads no longer work for B2B SaaS companies. At the end of the day, every market is different that you're playing right. in, your customer's different. So uh, at the very least, you got to try it. Like you can't yes. take someone, a couple articles, a word for it and assume it doesn't work for you. So yeah, Definitely you just have to try keep in mind and, and, and be, you know, mindful of that and be aware of that and, you know, pay a lot of attention so you don't, you know, spend way too yeah, much money. For sure, for sure. Um, actually, I should have probably asked this sooner, but uh, are you guys uh, bootstrapped, funded or? Funded, funded. We had a small 20,000 investment early, early in the beginning, right when we started. That was like, you know, like a family fund type of investment. Um, and then, uh, afterwards we had the 120,000 from Techstars. That's an, you know, an accelerator. We, we went through Techstars in London. Um, and then recently we closed our seed round, but, uh, we, we haven't closed that one yet. <laughs> okay. Nice. Nice. That's, that's cool. Um, are you guys, uh, seeing profitability yet or? Uh, we could. If we would want to, 
Um, but that's it, it's not the time for that yet. Um, okay. That's, so, that's so, so still got your foot on the gas right now. Yes. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. All right. Cool. Um, so yeah, in three years. I mean, that seems like a lot of growth for sure. Um, you know, obviously managing uh, a fast growing company uh, is very difficult, as you know. Um, yeah. What are some of the the biggest challenges you've had to face um, growing your company thus far? Um, some of my biggest challenges growing the company. Yeah, whether it be, you know, like a employees or hiring or, you know, managing, you know, hundreds of customers now, I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good question. So I think um, finding talent, I wouldn't say, I, I think I was incredibly lucky with that. We, we didn't have, you know, anyone leaving us post, you know, our, you know, kind of like the trial period, right? So we didn't have anyone leaving us. So we are extremely, extremely lucky on that front. Um, we didn't fire anyone as well. So thanks God I didn't have to go through that. Um, so that's, you know, that's good. We obviously, you know, had people that were not a good fit, but like in the first, you know, month where, we, you know, everyone is just trying to figure out if it's a good fit for both of the parties. But otherwise, um, I think we did well on that side, pretty well on that side. And I'm, I feel very extremely fortunate uh, to have the team that we have at the moment. Um, nice, nice. Yeah, but I think it, it, the biggest challenge for me was fundraising. I, it was, it was, yeah, it was hardcore. <laughs> uh, fundraising was the biggest, biggest challenge I've ever had with my business. I think it, it's just so, so hard um, when you're, you know, so early stage, even if you have like the right metrics and, you know, your company's growing, um, you know, you're a founder from Eastern Europe, uh, you don't have, you know, all those pedigree, you know, Stanford University and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it, it's just hard to build, you know, this kind of reputation and you need to sell yourself so much. And it's, it's, it's just extremely, it's just, yeah, it's very hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I could definitely imagine. Um, was so the seed round then, the latest seed round, that was yeah. like very time consuming, yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah, because yeah, that was what, uh, it was the one where we actually fundraised because uh, the first ticket, like the 20K, the 20K was just, you know, through an accelerator and then Techstars as well, an accelerator. So this one, I went, you know, full fundraising mode um, and it, it's time consuming and you get so many rejections and, you know, you're hyped about someone and it feels like you're almost going to get there and then you don't. Um, and, you know, it, 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 you need to project, project a certain image of yourself and of your company and, um, yeah, it's not pleasant. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I like what you said, like you're constantly selling yourself. And, and yeah. a lot of the, the early startup founders I speak to, um, they don't have sales experience. You know, they might be like a good technical founder built this like great app, but they lack the say in the sales department. I think sales in general is probably the most important skill set like a founder CEO needs, like you constantly have to sell your product. You have yeah. to sell your company to potential employees and existing team members. You got to sell yourself. You got to sell to 
potential investors. Like you're constantly, constantly selling and that never stops. So yeah. it's a very important skill set, I think. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you. And, you know, selling your product, selling your company is one thing. But then when, you know, as a founder, as an early stage founder, uh, what investors care the most, you know, are the founders because, you know, you don't have that much revenue in the beginning. You know, your company is not that big yet. So the founder is, is what matters the most. And selling yourself is very hard, I think, uh, you know, because, you know, yeah, you need to put yourself out there and it's very emotional. <laughs> it is. You know, as with anything, though, it's it's something that just gets better with time and experience. Right. So. Yes. Yes, 100% agree. Um, so as a, as a CEO, young CEO, you have uh, to wear multiple hats, as you know. Yeah. You know, you got to put out fires and you name it, you got to do it. But at the end of the day, like, you know, you're, you're responsible and accountable for absolutely everything in your company. Um, so what the, and this, this is a very hard, difficult question to answer, I think, but uh, what does a typical day look like for you? Like, you know, what, what are you currently focusing on? Gosh. So, yeah, the problem is there's no typical day for us, you know, and I think you've got this answer uh, a few times before, if, you know, if you ask this question, because <laughs> um, every day is just so, so different. You know, one day I might be doing uh, HR stuff, you know, like recruiting and uh, organizing company, internal company events. And the other day I might be doing, you know, all kinds of legal stuff, like documents and contracts and like boring stuff um and the other day i might be doing you know marketing helping the team with you know their current marketing projects and marketing campaigns and it might not be different days it might all be mixed on the same day but what is you know constant is a lot a lot of emails you know my life is about emails really <laughs> that's where it all you know focuses down to emails <laughs> yeah no i can 100 percent relate i mean the reason i asked that question is because someone uh you know a few times people ask me and it's like you literally just like don't know how to answer it you know because like yeah. you're thinking yeah. you're thinking about your past days and like they're all very different and your focuses um like you said one day you could be doing some financial stuff in hr and it's just say like you're constantly juggling so yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely a tough one. What about time management? Like, are are you one of those people who work like you know sixteen hours a day, or do you think it's important to take a step back and you know have a nice work life balance? Yeah, so I was doing that at the beginning of Planable. I, I was working, you know, I didn't have weekends. I was working on Saturday and on Sunday. Then I had a brilliant idea. Maybe I should take Sundays off. <laughs> and that was the first step towards some type of work-life balance. And then I, I don't think I'm there yet, but I know it's important. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to build that. So I'm, I'm definitely not working any any crazy, you know, hours. Honestly, and I, I don't think I have a very typical, like if you read, you know, or, you know, in the media, what a successful CEO should look like. I don't think my schedule looks like that. You know, I might start my day at 11, honestly, because I've spent, you know, my evening working and my night working, and then, you know, I, I go late at work. Um, so I don't think there's some kind of, you know, magic recipe for what, this, what your schedule should look like and what you, you know, how you should manage your time, but definitely don't overdo it, I think. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, like you said, there's no secret formula. Like every CEO, every person is, is different, right? Like everyone says they wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning. It's like for me, there's no way. Like I'm not a morning person. I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. Not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, so no, not for me. Yeah, no, no. And, and then, you know, in some days you might be, you know, waking up early and working up until very, very late. And then some other days it might be chill. Um, because, you know, it just varies very much to the amount of, work, of workload there is and, you know, the deadlines you have. And that's normal. I think in the end, it balances to like, I don't know, 10, um, 11 hours a day at most. Yeah. But, you know, the, 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 the important thing is, I think, is, you know, if you're truly passionate and you love what you're doing, like it really yeah. doesn't feel like work. So yeah. really like you know, almost your work sort of integrates into your life in a way i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing but at least you know for for founders and for people who who bleed their companies that's all they think about for the for the most part i mean that's just the reality of the situation yeah right yeah right um so sticking on that subject like do you have any like favorite tools or apps that you use to help manage your time mm-hmm. uh, specifically for managing time or for just like working uh, I guess both, if you, if you want to share. Yeah, one of my latest uh, passions is Notion. So I really like Notion for, we use Notion for like our company wiki. So, you know, we keep, you know, um, all kinds of checklists and uh, policies and all kinds of, you know, documents, documents that you're going to go back to, always going to go back to and read. So like company wiki we use notion for that um and that's kind of one of one of you know one of the tools that i i, I really like and Airtable, Airtable is <laughs> one of my you know my most favorite tools uh and we use it like a database for any kinds of lists it's kind of like a very very powerful spreadsheet um so i i really like Airtable. so do you use Airtable as like a crm then a CRM um, and, you know, I use Airtable for like my recruiting pipeline. You know, I keep my candidates there and, you know, update their statuses and all that kind of stuff. You know, we use it for hunting for a new office. You know, we keep all, you know, all the options there. So we use it anytime where there's a need for like a list. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, I've, uh, a few people, you know, you hear about Airtable a lot. I personally never use it, but uh, I feel like I should check it out yeah. at the least. Yeah, right, and cool. then some uh, other tool that I'd like to recommend is uh, an email client. So I'm very passionate about email clients. I don't use like, you know, the Gmail because I'm a Mac user and I think Mac, you know, works very well with like apps, uh, downloaded apps. Um, and I use Spark, which is, a very great, you know, email client to use as, you know, all those, um, you know, snooze and reminders and archive features. It's pretty good. Okay. When you brought up email client, I was hoping you were going to say the one I use, uh, which I love which as well. I use a uh, front. Front. Front, front yeah. is amazing. And I, I, I follow Mathilde and I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. What definitely one of my favorite apps for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, Xenia, I do want to be mindful of your time. Uh, I do end off each chat with what I call the top three. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Uh, number one, your favorite book. 
Um, definitely Sapiens by Noah Harari. Ah, nice. That's actually, I, I read that earlier this year and I, that's probably one of my favorite books I've ever read as well. Um, <laughs> number two, your favorite vacation spot. Um, not sure if favorite, but definitely top three, Tel Aviv. Oh, nice. Very yeah. nice. And uh, lastly, if like, what's the one thing you wish you knew when you were just starting out in business? God, this is a hard one. Yeah. Uh, I wish I knew that I'm going to make this happen. I think that would have made, you know, that would have possibly gave me more confidence. I knew, I wish I knew that it's going to work out. <laughs> I love that. That's actually a perfect way to end this because one of my, you know, favorite mottos is no plan B's. So, you know, that means if you, if you, if you got your mind set on something, you, you best believe this. you're going to make it work. So no I, plan I B's. Pretty good motto. <laughs> nice. All right, Ksenia, I, I thank you so much for coming on. I had a really great time. I really appreciate yeah, me too. it. Me too. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat. <laughs> uh, of course. And how about this as a deal? When you guys get to 1500 clients, you'll come on the, the podcast again. That's a deal. (laughs) (laughs) All right, done. All right, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear it. Be sure to check out founderviews.com for my latest posts and episodes on my journey with everything SaaS, business, and startups. Talk to you later. Peace.